What's up, everybody? Good afternoon, Nashville Life. So glad you're here today. My name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at, at this church, and uh, it's been an honor. I've recently taken this position top of this year. Before then, it was my father, our founding pastor, Alvin Love, the second. I'm the third. Uh, will there be a fourth? We shall see. Um, uh, I am so glad y'all are here. We are closing out a great month. Um, September is almost over. It is officially fall. Uh, I know a lot of people are happy about that. Um, I tried doing the sweater today, but it was hot. It was hot. It's still hot. Um, but anyway, there's plenty of sweaters to come. Um, I am so excited for this series. This series has really ministered to me. I don't know if you guys realize this, for those of you who have shared the word before, but it's encouraging even to the one speaking it. I've really had my eyes open to how essential faith is um, on this journey. Faith is everything. And uh, I've had to use it in many ways. Uh, we've been talking about the building. For those of you who, who don't know Nashville Life, we purchased a building in May 2020 of last year. And uh, it's, been, it's been a journey. It's, it's been a learning experience. God's hand has been on it. But even if God's hand is on it, honestly, especially when God's hand is on it, uh, there's, there's resistance. There's opposition. Uh, there's, we, we've, we've, I've been having a hard time. I'm just going to tell you. I've had to really use uh, this message and, and, and have faith. We've had a couple of, couple of unforeseen challenges uh, things that were really out of our power um, when it comes to the timeline and certain things that weren't done as well. They need to be redone and just things that can really be frustrating. And, and I've had to truly uh, submit and practice what I'm preaching and believe that no matter how hard it is, um, I'm optimistic that God's promises are, are still uh, being, being done and being completed uh, really, if you really want to get optimistic, I, I actually believe that the level of opposition is in direct proportion to the miracles and the fruit and the move of God that's going to happen through this facility. So, so <laughs> every other day when I hear something else, there's like this bittersweet thing where I'm, I'm kind of mad, but then I get kind of excited because I'm like, here, here if, if, if the enemy and if the level of opposition and hindrance and challenges is, is in direct proportion, and it, even half, let alone more uh, as far as what's going to be on the other side of this, we are in good shape. We have a very miraculous future, a, a very supernatural future ahead of us, Nashville life. So, so I want you guys to know that your, your pastor is... is is being blessed and yielded to the same message that I believe God has given us on faith. So we're about to close out this, uh, this, this series. Uh, before we do, let's, let's stir up our faith with our words. I believe it's important to speak with faith. So before we get into the word, let's, let's repeat these words uh, after me that are on the screen. Say, the, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. 
The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Amen. We are about to approach the, the, the bread of life, the life that's going to, to change the way that we think, change the way that we process information, that's going to change the way that we make decisions, the way that we go through good times, it's going to change the way we go through bad times, and most excitingly, it's going to change the lives of people around you. It's going to change uh, the lives of coworkers and, and family and children and parents, um, friends and enemies. It's going to change the lives of everyone around you simply because we're taking in this word from God. So the series is called The Faithful Ones. The Faithful Ones. And we are studying Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. And what it does is it highlights individuals in the past who have lived by faith. And it shares of the supernatural realities that were afforded to, to, to these people simply because they lived by faith. And the idea is that we are inspired the idea is that we are motivated and we're convicted and we're, we're blessed by these stories so that not we can just hear these stories, but we can actually do uh, these stories. We can live faith in our generation, in our situation, and see the realities that are afforded to us because of this thing called faith. So uh, week one, we studied... Uh, Hebrews 1 through 7, then it was 8 through 16, and then last week was 17 through 29, and this week we're going to start with verse 30, and we're going to end verse 40 at the end. Um, Hebrews 30, Hebrews 11, verse 30, it starts off with uh, a story that... Uh, is kind of in the same fashion of all the other stories. We've covered so far, we've covered Abraham and Sarah. We've covered Isaac. We've covered Jacob. We've covered Joseph. We've covered Moses and, of course, Jesus. And, and these stories all have a common theme where they were invited to a life and to a reality that transcended and even defied the natural world that they could see. The common thread in all of these stories in Hebrews 11 is God is inviting these people through faith into a reality that transcends and even defies the natural world that they could see. So you've got all these stories of God kind of giving these incredible, and by incredible I mean outlandish and ridiculous uh, promises and claims and instructions, and it always seemed to offend the natural logic of these people, but when they stepped into faith, uh, they found out that a lot more things were possible than they previously thought before. Um, Hebrews 1, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is a review. So we see that 
that for something to be faith, you've got to be optimistic about something. There's got to be a hope attached to it, and it got, it's got to be something that you can't see. It's got to be something that you have to really tap into, like, an unseen uh, world for you to, to, to have faith. It's got to be something that you hope for, and it's got to be something that you can't see yet. And then we see that Hebrews 11 verse 3 says that, by faith, we understand the words were framed by the word of God. When you have faith, you must uh, have a resolve in your heart that the word of God is what dictates, dictates the world, not the other way around. We live in a life in a society where the world is trying to tell, uh, trying to dictate the word. And that's not how it works. Human beings will never be able to dictate the word. The word dictates the world. The word, the word of God is what, uh, what tells the world how to be, for better or for worse. So we must understand that the word of God is the authority. And no matter how much the world tries to resist it or press against it, the Bible is very clear that even the gates of hell will not prevail. The Bible says that nothing can stand against the success of God's word. So when you have faith, you have to really cross that bridge and, and, and understand that because you're going to constantly have to use that truth to live by faith. Um, so let's move on to uh, verse 30. Verse 30. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So let me give you a brief backstory. Again, this is the theme of this is God is inviting people to a reality that transcends and even defies uh, the natural world that we see. So Israel, they were God's chosen people, a group of people that um, God chose to believe in him. And through these people, he was going to save the whole world. So they were in slavery, um, and God delivered them out of slavery through a series of supernatural plagues that came upon Egypt. And then he parted the Red Sea so they can get out of there. And then once they got into the wilderness, he provided for them through manna. He had food fall from the sky so that they could eat. Um, he did all of these great miracles, and then he promises them that there's a land that belongs to them. Many of you guys have heard of the, the promised land. That comes from the Bible. There is a land that God promised Israel, and when they got into the land, they were realizing that the land was occupied by other cities and other nations, and one of them was Jericho, and Jericho was a big city, way bigger than Israel and the amount of people they had. And then the city had these huge walls that surrounded the entire city, and the walls were built to prevent people from getting in. So you can imagine how intimidating it probably looked, especially to a, a group of people that were not necessarily uh, impressive in their military ability, they didn't have the numbers to really conquer this city, but yet God was still saying, you're going to conquer this city. They didn't have the weapons really to conquer this city. They didn't have the technology. They didn't have the, the equipment to really uh, break through these walls. So you can imagine that there were probably a lot of questions of how this is going to work. 
And then, as if they weren't any more confused, Joshua heard God's instructions of how they were going to take the city of Jericho. And the instructions were uh, a, little bit, a little bit crazy. And, and because they, it had nothing to do with their military strength. It had nothing to do with the weapons they had and the devices they had and the technology they had. It actually was instructions that had nothing to do with any of the things that you normally would think would be needed to conquer people in battle. He told them to march around the city walls seven times completely quiet. He said, don't say, he's given this word to Joshua. I, I do not envy Joshua's job of having to relay these military instructions to his people. But the instructions were to march around the city totally quiet, and then after the seventh time, have the priests pull out their horns and to blow their horns as loud as they could, and then after they blew the horns, the people were then, Israel, were then instructed to shout at the top of their lungs, and, they, and according to God's instructions, when they did this, these huge walls were going to tear down. They were going to fall down, thus making... Jericho vulnerable, and they would be able to seize the people, siege the people of this city. So, again, I don't envy Joshua. Joshua told the priests, he told the people, and I'm actually very encouraged as a pastor <laughs> to hear that they actually listened to what Joshua said. And it was awesome. They followed Joshua. So I'm like, man, if people can follow Joshua doing something as crazy as that, maybe I have a shot. Um, here at, at Nashville Life. So, so, so what happens is they, they marched around and they blew their trumpets, they shouted, and it worked. It worked. The most insane instructions worked. And the reason why I wanted to, well, the reason why I believe this is in here to encourage us about faith is because Joshua had to make a decision similar to what I said Sarah had to make when she was believing that God was going to give her a son um, at her old age and everybody else who's invited to live by faith. As incredible and as ridiculous and even silly as the instructions from God were, Joshua had to make a decision about the source of those instructions. Basically, I said before, consider the source. Joshua had to say, even though this is the most ridiculous military strategy I've ever heard, since the one who gave it is credible, then therefore it qualifies what he says. We have to make a judgment that no matter what God tells us, whether in his spoken word or especially for us, his written word, if God said it, we have to have enough confidence in the credibility of God that we can accept everything he says as true. Even if he's saying that if you march around a city seven times and start screaming, the walls are going to fall down. Even if he tells you something that goes against what makes sense to you, you have to have so much confidence in the one who said it that you're willing to accept and obey some of the, some, some, some instructions that really can, uh, 
not make sense to your limited thinking. And that's what Joshua did. And because he did, the entire uh, city of Jericho was taken down. And we can lean on those stories. We can lean on, man, if God was able to do something that amazing through something that simple, what can he do through my life? What are, what are the simple things that he's asking me to do that can have monumental effects? Sometimes, guys, we, 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 we brush off the simplicity of God's instructions, and we're waiting for something grand and big and tell me to do something amazing, and God's like, try, try shouting. <laughs> try, try praying. Try forgiving. Try doing something simple because let Jericho be a reminder that if you just obey the simple instructions, some major things can happen through your life and for your life. Let's keep going. Hebrews 11, 31. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who, do, who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So Rahab was supposed to be of the people of Jericho that were defeated by Israel. That was, that was who she was supposed to be. Her life and her destiny was to be of the people uh, that Israel conquered. But something really miraculous happened. Again, a very simple thing that yielded very miraculous results. There's a theme here. Simple things, if, if it's an obedience to God, can, can yield miraculous results. Rahab, which they make it clear to show that she was a, a harlot. Um, other translations say that she was a prostitute. And this is not to shame Rahab. This is not to permanently mark her. But it's important for you to know how dirty her life was when you see how much her life was redeemed. It's important for you to know that Rahab was a prostitute. So for those of you who are in here that think that your sins have been too great and too big for you to cross over into a life of redemption and a life of salvation, you can remember that if Rahab was able to switch over to God's redemption and God's mercy and God's salvation, and she was a harlot, surely God can, can change my life. So I like it's important that they make it clear that Rahab was a woman with a really dark past. Really dark past, even dark present in the moment of the situation. And what I'm going to extract from Rahab's situation when it comes to faith was Rahab did something that I'm going to call she switched sides. She switched sides. And the beauty of God is it doesn't matter how late you switch sides. The minute you switch sides, you are in. You are in. What happened with Rahab is Rahab made a very common sense uh, kind of thought process. She knew that Israel was coming, and she knew Israel's track record. And she said, man, every time I hear about these people from Israel, their God is doing some crazy things for them. 
I can't even hear about Israel without hearing about this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And everywhere they go, God is just moving powerfully on their behalf. And he keeps on protecting them, and he keeps on saving them, and he keeps on moving them and progressing them and advancing them. Man, that sounds a lot better than the life I'm living. My life could use a little bit of that. So how about I switch sides? And by switch sides, let me... Let me change my life over to where I'm doing things for this, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me start making ways for me to associate myself with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me start doing some things that can put me in good standing with Israel. If I help them out, and this is the way she's thinking, if I help them out, in what God is, is doing with them, if I make myself a partner in what God is doing through Israel, maybe I can reap some of those benefits. Maybe I can find myself in the same favor and in the same protection and in the same salvation that I'm seeing Israel experience. That's how she thought. It was a hopeful thought. Remember, faith has to be an optimistic hope. So if I, if I switch sides and I, and I partner up with what God's move is doing and what his plans are, maybe I can also reap the benefits of being one of God's people. And even in the profession of prostitution, she made a decision to switch sides and start to live her life for the advancement of what God was doing and associates her, she associated herself with the people of Israel and she hid them and she basically helped their plot to, to take on Jericho. And man, her life was changed. She was supposed to perish and she didn't perish. Remember John 3.16? It says that if we choose Jesus, if we switch sides, even though we were supposed to perish, we won't perish. You have to learn from Rahab. All you got to do is switch sides. Man, I've been living for myself. I've been living for this money. I've been living out of my wounds. But what if I start to make some decisions that, that will advance what God is doing in the earth? What if I associate myself with the people of God? That's, what, that's the choice that we're given even today. So I praise God for, for Rahab because she's an inspiration to, to many people who are in her profession and many people who uh, are in sin in general. There's no sin that is too great where you can't switch sides can always choose. Just it's, it's a matter of choice. She made a choice and her life was changed forever. Do you guys know that this prostitute actually became in the lineage that led to Jesus? She was actually brought into the lineage. That, that's how real, that's how much God accepts you when you switch sides to him. He doesn't, he doesn't associate, he makes you holy 
He makes you a part of the lineage that, that saves the world. That's why, again, of course, she didn't stay a harlot. But it's important. The reason why it says that she was that so we can kind of get, man, that's how much of a change that God can do through my life. Let's keep reading. Hebrews 11, 32 through 34. It says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you, uh, to tell of Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and, and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again. And then I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop for a couple seconds or more than a couple seconds, maybe a couple minutes. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, I don't have time to tell you guys how many stories there are of people who, because they lived by faith, escaped death, escaped danger, escaped uh, torment, escaped um, prison, escaped all types of things. There's so many stories of people who were thrown in the lion's den and the lions didn't even touch them. There's too many stories of people that were thrown in fiery furnace and put in death situations and came out uh, unbothered or untouched. There's, there's stories of people who were poisoned and they should have died, but they lived. There's so many stories of people who were about to die, but all of a sudden their faith saved them and they weren't dying anymore. But there are other stories that still qualifies faith that we as faithful people need to be aware of. It says others were tortured, ex not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. So some were saved from torment, some were saved from death, others were actually tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36. Sorry, not yet. There are countless stories of people who lived by faith and were saved from death. They escaped defeat. They escaped pain. They escaped suffering. But there are also tons of stories of people who their faith cost them their life. And I want to talk about this because I define faith as what we're hoping for, as optimism. It's what we, the benefits, and we, we live our life by faith, believing that God is going to do something good. So how in the world do people, or is it possible for people to live by faith? How in the world is it possible for people to live by by faith, and still end up being tormented, being killed. Let's go to verse 36. It says, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two, which in case you didn't know, that means they were cut in half. Their bodies were cut in half. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. It's important to understand, guys, that a life of faith does not mean a life without suffering. I think it's important to know that I think it's important for us to know just how much suffering is still within the bounds the boundaries of God's love. I don't think we realize just how much margin there is for suffering and even torture within the boundaries of God's sovereignty, God's love, God's protection, God's faithfulness. We're a little bit too detached. Let's be honest. We're a little spoiled. We're a little spoiled in our generation, and our, our margin for things not going our way is a little bit too small before we start to question the goodness of God. And I'm being radical because it's important that our perspective is upgraded and for us to know that there are human beings who were cut in half and God was still faithful in that situation. God was still, I don't know anybody here who's had to be cut in half. So if God, God's will and God's faithfulness can still result, result, result in, in torment and death, we must understand that the boundaries of this thing called faith and this thing called a living hope is a little bit wider and a little bit uh, deeper than what we realize. Let me keep explaining. There are several thousands of believers who were faithful to God, and God was faithful to them, and they were still tortured. Some even saw him in two. And while all of these experiences were terrible, they were all done and gone through by faith. How? My question to you is how? How can you go through horrible situations still with faith, still with this optimism, still with this sense of something great is happening? What sort of optimism could be, could, what sort of optimism could you have about getting your head cut off? The answer is God's promises. God promises us that we're blessed when our faith costs us something that we love. God promises us that we are blessed when our faith costs us something. 
So if you want to ask how in the world were people able to be led to the slaughter and led to their death and led to their imprisonment and led to their unjust arrest and led to these things for Christ's sake, how in the world were they able to go through these things with, with this optimism, with this hope? Because God's word. God's word makes it clear that blessed are those. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. The reward is where? Some of us need to understand that your reward, it's not promised that your reward will be in this lifetime. I just feel like I need to manage some expectations in here. I think some people need their expectations altered and upgraded. Some of you guys are thinking, if God is faithful, that I'm going to receive the rewards in the next 18 months. And we need to understand that there are several saints who died still not receiving their full reward. But they still did it. Will you still do it if you know that the reward won't happen in the next 10 years? Will you still love God if you know that the reward won't happen when you want it to happen? Will you still do it? For something to be done in faith, it must be done with positivity in mind. And the positive, if you're wondering what the people who died in torment for the cause of their faith, if you want to know what kind of positivity they could still have in their mind while they're, I'm not trying to be gory, but like while they're being tormented and killed or put in prison for years, Verse 35 says, they didn't accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Let me explain to you guys something about the word deliverance. Deliverance, you have to make up in your mind that the only way I'm going to be delivered is by God. The reason why I say that is because the enemy will offer you deliverance as well. And if, you're, if your goal is relief, then you're going to take the bait of being delivered from your pain, delivered from your woes by compromising and selling out God. Perfect example, the three Hebrew boys. What do you do when your two options are love for God and be love God and be burnt alive or denounce God and live and go home if we have shallow definitions of God's promises and we truly think that the promises only go as far as let me go home safely and live my life then the enemy will clearly deceive us to think that God wants us to denounce him so we can go home and live our life. When really, 
The optimistic idea is, man, I get to die knowing that I died for him. I get to die knowing, that, and that this is how you can be optimistic about things like that. When, you're, when your back is up against the wall and it actually will cost you to obey God. I don't think you guys realize that obeying God could actually cause you to lose money. Obeying God could actually, some of you guys, again, remember the Skittle analogy I gave us? Sometimes we think as long as it's sweet that it's from God. And my example before said is there's a lot of people who find themselves in the back of a van somewhere because they associated Skittles with good. That's how people kidnap children. So as people of God, we can't be little kids and go, man, it's an increase in pay. That means it's got to be God. I get to keep my boyfriend. That means it's got to be God. I get to feel happy. That means it's got to be God. If our faith is that shallow, then we'll be easily deceived to renounce faith, to renounce God, and go for what we can see and what we can feel, which is not faith. And again, there are, don't get me wrong, there are those situations where God is leading you and the results is that you get a pay raise and that you get the house that you wanted and you get the spouse that you wanted and you get the kids. There are stories like that, but you got to understand the full spectrum of this thing. And just like there are stories where God's faith saves you from death, there are situations where having faith will cost you your life. And I think now more than ever, we need to be reminded of the margin of suffering that can still happen within the realm of living by faith. And the reason why that's not doom and gloom, because the word promises you that you will have a great reward in heaven. The word promises you that you will be blessed. Guys, think about how powerful it would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They, di- they, they lived. They didn't die. At least not there. They died later. By the way, we're all, <laughs> all going to die if Jesus doesn't come back anyway. So, like, at the end of the day, we need to understand that, like, we're going to die eventually. Why not be for, for him? Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived. But let's say they died. I want you guys to show how both sides of this coin when you're living by faith is something to rejoice over. Of course, we rejoice because they lived. Hallelujah, they didn't smell like smoke. There was a fourth person and fourth person in there. But just so you guys know, for as many stories there are of they lived, there are stories that the three Hebrew boys die. There are several stories in the history of saints where they did get burnt alive. And the reason why we can still rejoice for that, because how inspiring is it that you can have so much conviction for the God that you love that you're willing to lose your life? Imagine the legacy for your children of knowing that dad went down for Jesus. Imagine the, the, the way that it will change the stories. Man, lost people come to Jesus when they hear that a human being can love God so much that they'll actually suffer 
for him. This is how you can approach even the worst situations with faith. And another thing about faith is faith is what you're hoping for. Faith is what you're hoping for. So I don't know if you guys realize this, but every single person who dies in Christ is going to be raised from the dead. Some of y'all don't know that. There is a day where every single person who died in faith, they will actually rise again. And that's what verse 35 said. There were people who had to go, man, the reason why me taking this road and staying faithful to God and obeying him, even though it's going to cost me my life, is, man, the resurrection for me dying in faith is going to be so much better than the remaining 50 years that I could live on this earth. That's how people of faith think. Man, the resurrection, if I die in obedience to God, is going to be so miraculous and way more miraculous than the living the remaining of these years here. Now, these are only when we're put in situations where it's the ultimatum. Young guys out here, I love the zeal, but don't go looking for persecution. Don't try to die for your faith. We want you here. <laughs> we need you here. Don't, don't test God. Don't go and provoke people to feel like a martyr. That's pride, and that's ignorance. Don't go poking hornet's nest. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when obeying God leads down a path where, where it costs you things. You only find yourself there if you're obeying him, if you're following his instructions. And if that leads to death, then so be it. Because it actually doesn't lead to death. Because those who die in Christ never die. Scripture says that we're just sleeping. It's a deep sleep. <laughs> you sleep for a long, long time, but it's not death. You will actually, when the story is over, we will realize that no one who died in Christ actually died. So Hebrews 11.38 says, of whom the world was not worthy. Basically, the world is not worthy of people who have this kind of faith. There is an elite quality for people who live by faith where the scripture says, man, the world is not even worthy of these people. These people are, are, are heaven status. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be people of heaven, people of a higher world, people of a higher reality that transcends this life on earth. Hebrews 39, I mean 11 verse 39, Hebrews 11 verse 39 through 40. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. It's the second time this passage, Hebrews 11, says that there are people who died 
still not receiving the full promise. But let's hear the reason. God having provided something better for us. Can y'all say the word better? You have to understand, guys, if you're living by faith, you're living for what's better ahead. That's why optimism and expectation for something good, you can't separate faith with something that you're hoping for. No one can walk in faith and uh, anticipate life getting worse. You have to trust that it's going to be better. So in the spirit of faith, every single person who died, every single person who's died in Christ, everyone who died in faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, every person who died in the spirit of faith for God, in faith, the reason why they could die without the full promise because God is saying that there's something better for them. It says that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So now we're at us. The passage of Hebrews 11 is all about everybody else, all these people of faith, and then it ends talking about us. We are the latter day of the church. We are the, the, the post-Christ believers. We are the people who have been redeemed through the cross. And Scripture makes it clear that the Lord saw fit for all of us to be made perfect together. His plan has it to where all of us are going to receive this fulfillment of God's promise together. So, Abraham died not receiving the full fullness that was to come, the better days that were to come. Isaac, the same. Jacob, the same. Joseph, the same. Moses. Rahab. Joshua. David, Solomon, John the Baptist, Paul died without the full promise being fulfilled. Peter died without the full promise. Smith Wigglesworth died without the full promise. Billy Graham died without the full promise. Hannah Besser from Nashville Life died without the full promise. When we die, we're going to die. If Jesus doesn't come back yet, we're all going to die without the full promise being revealed because God's plan, it's God's idea that all of us get to be made perfect together. So it might be hard to imagine, but guys, this is why we have to start living by faith because if you don't live by faith, God's truth is going to start sounding real, real crazy. We have to embrace a life that transcends and defies the world that we can see. That's what faith allows us to do. The Bible says that there's going to come a day where every single person from Abraham to us to whoever dies after us, we're all going to be raised together. And it's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much better than anything that we've seen. 
So the cool thing about us is even when we die, we can still have the testimony that our best days are yet to come. People of faith get to have a guarantee that no matter how good my life gets, the best days are yet to come. It doesn't matter how bad my life gets, the best days are yet to come. This is what it means to live by faith. You're living with this hope that better things are ahead. Even though I can't see it, I'm hoping for my better days that are coming ahead. And that's a promise that we get to have as people of faith. I think it's important for us to know that Jesus gives us this ability to switch over to a life of fear, anxiety, that's when you're anticipating the worst, to a life of faith. I heard someone say once, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you expect. And I know that to be true. People who anticipate rejection get rejected. People who anticipate death die. People who anticipate acceptance are accepted. People who anticipate great friendships get great friendships. Ultimately, I think this supports faith. Faith is having a hope in what you haven't seen yet. It's an expectation for what you hope for. And when you live by faith, things happen that wouldn't have happened if you weren't living with that, that hope, that expectation. Jesus gives us a guarantee that our best days are ahead of us. I can't think of a single person in life who can give you a guarantee that your better days have yet to come. That's a promise that only belongs to those who are in Christ. There are millions, millions of people where the story of their life was they peaked in high school. They peaked in college. Their best days were back then. How many millions of people have lived their lives where their best days were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Those who are not in Christ can only anticipate things to get worse. The destiny for those who are not in Christ is perishing, damnation, eternal punishment. If you don't have Jesus, your best days are not ahead of you. They're either right now or they were behind you. When you don't have Jesus, this world is as, as good as it gets. When you don't have Jesus... The joy and happiness that you're experiencing right now is as good as it gets. 
but for those who have Christ. If this world is awesome, it's going to be better. If this world is horrible for you, it's going to get better. For those who are in Christ, just like those who aren't Christ, can only anticipate things to get worse. If you are in Christ, you can only anticipate for things to be better because your destination is heaven. Your destination is life eternal. Your destination is a glorious resurrection. Your destination is a life that is brighter than the brightest light that you've ever seen. And many of us have experienced some great joys in this world. And no disrespect. No disrespect. To, all I'm telling you is that it pales in comparison of what you have coming in the future. If you want that guarantee for your life, the only way to get it is Jesus. I'd be lying to you if I didn't put it that plainly. The only guarantee that your tomorrow will be better than your yesterday is Jesus Christ. If you don't follow Jesus, your future will be worse than it is now. If you don't have Jesus, I don't care how grim life is right now, it's going to be a gazillion times worse in your future. If you choose Jesus just like Rahab, if you just switch sides today, you are signing yourself up for a destiny that is brighter than any joy that you've ever known. Any joy. Think of the highest. Think of, the, think of your wedding day. Think of when you had your first child. Think of when you won the championship. Think of the greatest joy, the greatest high you've ever experienced if you choose Jesus, your future will be greater than that. And it will last forever. It will last. All those examples I gave you, they were great for a moment, but then by Tuesday, you were already feeling back to normal. The high, you kind of came down. Everyone left the after party and the... The decorations were cleaned up, and you're kind of back at your desk going, all right, waiting for the next high. Guys, eternity, the high lasts forever. The joy lasts forever. The fulfillment lasts forever. This is why the Bible says that we should be anticipating his return, because when he returns, it's going to be better for those who believe in Jesus. Now, you have to hold on to what I'm telling you because some of us, God forbid, but maybe some of us will have to cross through great suffering before that day. Some of us might actually have to experience great pain before that day. But the cool thing about knowing that your eternity is set is no matter how, no matter the condition of your present day, you always can know that tomorrow is going to be better. What other faith can guarantee that tomorrow 
And by tomorrow, I mean the figurative tomorrow, the future. What's ahead is going to be better. So the people that got cut in half and the people that got put in prison and the people who were falsely accused and the people that lost their jobs and lost their, their, their money and whatever else, lost their status, lost their comforts, lost their freedoms, people who lost those things did it with faith because no matter how bad it is right now, our future is going to be incredible. Guys, Stephen, when he was being stoned, and just in just case you guys don't know, stoned is when people take rocks and they throw them at you until you die. Like, we're not talking about the faithfulness of God that just allows you to go, oh, it was a painless breath. Oh, thank like, I'm telling you, we still are working with the belief that God's faithfulness is not going to make it hurt. It's not going to make it, like, there are saints who went through excruciating pain, including Jesus, especially Jesus. But Stephen, stone after stone, talk about a slow death. You, your body just has to get worn down by rocks and slowly has to reach your organs to where your organs shut down or your brain trauma. Like, it's a very violent death. And I think you guys need to know that that could be us. There's no promise that tells us that that's not going to be us. There is nothing in Scripture that guarantees that we will not have a same death. I'm not saying we will, but there's no promise that says we won't. But the cool thing about it is Stephen, in the midst of being stoned, rocks, Throwing at your head and your arm and your, your side and your heart and your throat and your teeth, getting knocked out, bleeding. He says, I see God. I see, I can see the angels. I see, I see my future. Guys, the Bible says that the people that were stoning them had to plug their ears because even in his most torturous day, he was still speaking hope. And the people who are not in faith hate hope. Faithless people hate hope. I'm sorry, but some of y'all hate what I'm saying right now. I'm not stupid. I'm faithful, but I'm not stupid. They plug their ears. How dare this person that is dying be happier than we are and we're living? That's the fortune that people of Christ are granted. Even on our worst day, we are still more optimistic than the person whose future is supposedly secured. I'm telling y'all, this guarantee does not exist outside of Jesus. So I want to invite you to Jesus. And it's not some deep thing. It's simple. We're going to learn from Rahab. Rahab said, man, people of God, they're different. <laughs> they're different, man. 
we're hearing stories. And just so you guys know, they were horror stories to Jericho. Jericho was actually intimidated because God's people had this favor and this grace and this resilience about them that Rahab was like, I want that. So she switched sides. And we have a God who's full of mercy. It doesn't matter how much sin you've done. If you just make a switch and say, I want to live for him. I want to be associated with these, these faithful ones. I want to learn how they think. I want to learn how they process information. I want to learn how they look at the world. Because people of faith, they look at the same thing I look at and they see something different. I want that. And Rahab, because she wanted that, she joined it. And God accepted her. Just like he's going to accept anyone here who makes a choice to switch sides and pick the life with a guaranteed happy ending. There is a guaranteed happy ending. And when I say ending, I don't mean your mortal life. I mean the end. Because this, our 80, 90, 100 years, 120 years, in my dad's case, what, 125? What do you, what'd you say? 125. He's believing for 125. Um, those, that 125 years or less is not the end. And the enemy wants you to think it's the end. He wants you to think that your life, but guys, the end is not our physical life. The end is eternity. And in, on, according to that definition of an ending, every person in Christ has a guaranteed happy ending. An ending with celebration. An ending with joy and fulfillment. Milk and honey. Provision. Love. Laughter. Dancing. Guys, I, I love life now. I do. I enjoy my life. But let's be honest. There's a lot of things about my life right now that I don't like. One is my own self, my own flesh. Our best days here, we still have to fast and pray and warfare and deny our flesh Guys, there actually is a day where there's going to be no more fighting of the flesh. There's going to be no more needing to warfare. There's going to be no more needing to fast. There's going to be no more needing to, to, to go through the battles that we go through in this fight of faith. I'm asking you guys to hold out for that day. Hold out for a level of joy that exceeds anything you could have ever known. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand because I want us to pray the prayer of salvation and pray it with faith. Remember Rahab. Even if you committed sins as early as this afternoon, it doesn't say Rahab could have been in, in the middle of an appointment when she decided to go help. Like, it doesn't matter how recent your sin is, if you choose to switch sides, your sins are forgiven, 
You are counted righteousness, righteous. You are born again into a fam, the family of God and a holy lineage. So let's pray this prayer with faith. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate a bright future. Let's celebrate a promised destiny. A destiny full of life and freedom and communion with Jesus. The devil will be out of the picture. Guys, the devil will be out of the picture. Sickness will be out of the picture. Defeat will be out of the picture. Disappointments will be out of the picture. That's our future. That's our future. So let's live. Live like you have a promised future. Those who pray that prayer, walk out of these doors like you have a positive future. Simple. Live like you have a positive future. Live like you have a glorious future. Because remember, we get what we expect. If you expect a positive future, because of Jesus Christ, he's washed me clean. He has promised me a life and eternity with him. That is your life. So if you made that decision, let us know. Send a text saying yes to Jesus to 77411. These are for those who, who made the choice and you want to let us know about it. We want to make sure we keep track of the people who have switched sides and chosen to live for Jesus. If you want to get more connected to the church, text belong to the same number or go to the connect booth out in the back, and out in the front, I should say, and meet people and, and ask questions about our church. We would love to have you. Uh, we've got next steps happening right now after this service ends in room 104. We would love for anyone to come if you want to learn about the church, meet our leadership. All of our leadership is going to be there. We'd love to see you. Um, and if you have a prayer request, let us know by either coming down front. Once we dismiss, we've got two people who will be happy to pray with you, connect with you, meet you. You can also submit a request online, a prayer request, and our team will pray for that. Whatever you pray for, we'll pray. Whatever you ask for us to pray for, we'll pray for. But besides that, y'all, just have a great rest of this afternoon. I'm going to pray and... Uh, I'm excited for the future for more reasons than one. Um, Father, thank you so much for a promised future. Lord, we thank you that our end is secure by you. So I pray that we leave here with faith, leave here expecting great things ahead, better things ahead. 
I pray protection over every single person. I pray for courage. I pray for discernment. I pray for a hunger for your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, that disciples are made and that we mature. Lord, I pray that you bring us back next week. And I pray that you bless all of the life groups that are happening. I pray that they're full of life and salvations and miracles, God. We thank you in advance for a great week ahead. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great afternoon.